If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 96 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on May 16th, 2021. Now, my friends, Yapping Yankees is being brought to you by, obviously, myself and Ball9. Ball9 brings you some of the best baseball content out there. Any and all baseball stories, articles, roundtable discussions, featured baseball podcasts like this one, Yapping Yankees, and more. Visit the website. I promise you, you'll be glad that you did. That's Ball9.com and follow them on all social medias at Ball9 and know what you don't know. And because they still help to get the word out about the show on social media, be sure to also check out Grunt Talks MLB. Go to their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their great baseball content and follow them on all social medias at Grunt Talks MLB. Also, don't forget, guys, that just like them, you can help spread the word about Yapping Yankees and stay updated on everything with both me and the Yankees. You know how you could do that? Well, you could do that by following me on all social medias. Follow my Facebook fan page, at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me on Twitter, at Mike Scudero. And on Instagram, at MikeScuds97. And remember to subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees. Show it love on all of the platforms that it's available on. And that's YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. It is the middle of May, and we're only four episodes from episode 100, guys. It's so wild. I really can't believe how fast time has flown that we are almost at episode 100. (laughs) That's just incredible to me. But you know what else is wild? How freaking gorgeous it is this weekend. (laughs) Even yesterday, I spent a chunk of the day playing dodgeball with my friends. It's just been such gorgeous weather here in New York lately, and it's going to continue this coming week. My kind of weather has finally arrived. (laughs) So between that and how the Yanks have been doing, you could say I'm in a very good mood today. (laughs) And I hope you're doing well also. And my God, even though the Yanks only had one loss this past week since we last spoke when I recorded last Saturday because of Mother's Day, what an eventful week it was. And I cannot wait to talk about all of it. So much has happened in the Yankee universe. Lots of winning, a punt sort of a game on Thursday, the injury bug biting Stanton and Geo a bit, Hicks possibly a lot. <laughs> it's yet to be 100% determine exactly how long or if surgery will be needed. We'll talk more about his injury later, obviously. But for now, all we know is that he's been placed on the 10-day injured list and minor leaguer Ryan Lamar. He's been in the major leagues before in the past, done a lot of team hopping, but he's been in the Yankees system. You saw him in spring training. He's been signed to a major league deal and called up to replace Hicks's spot. That's all we know for now, but 
Otherwise, we'll have to wait for more details with Hicks. Voight returned. You got the COVID sort of outbreak or just full-on outbreak. Eight cases. And actually, a ninth was announced literally like 20 minutes ago this morning by Aaron Boone, another staff member. Is that considered an outbreak? Yeah, let's call it an outbreak. (laughs) But it didn't prevent any games from being played. Everyone seems to be fine, and it certainly hasn't much affected the Yankees' ability to win lately, hence the title of the episode. So, (laughs) we've got a bunch to talk about, as always, on what's obviously going to be another fun, action-packed, yapping Yankees episode, guys. You know the deal by now as we approach episode 100. (laughs) But first off, since last week was... I'm still pretty sure it was the first Yapping Yankees ever without a social media segment, so for the return of the social media segment today, I wanted to give you the floor to ask me questions. So that's right, this week you've got yourself another Q&A, so let's get right to it. I'll probably answer anywhere from like uh, 10 to 15 questions total on Twitter and Instagram. We'll see how we do on time. But let's get right to the Q&A and have ourselves another damn fun episode. (laughs) Alright, first up on Twitter, let's start off with... Let's see here. Let's start off with my friend Spencer, at MusicianMDMD. And Spencer says, Even when the New York Yankees win, I see lots of Yankees negativity on Twitter. So Mike, do you think fans as a whole are enjoying Yankees baseball? What have you been enjoying about the 2021 season, and what makes you watch every game? Well, what makes me watch every game is the fact that I'm a diehard Yankee fan, and if I miss even one inning of one game, I feel out of balance. (laughs) So that's basically what does it for me, just my love for the team. For the last 14-some-odd years, I've been a fan. Uh, What else here? What have you been enjoying about the 2021 season? A bunch of things. There have been some things, obviously, I haven't enjoyed, but... There have also been a ton of things I, of course, have enjoyed. I have not been enjoying the lack of fundamentals such as lousy base running and crappy defense at times, or the lack of outfield production out of guys like Hicks, Clint, and Gardner, but I have been enjoying a lot of things like Aaron Judge getting hot again. I've enjoyed the many days where the offense has shown how hot they are. I have very much enjoyed the rotation. The pitching rotation has been very good. I very much enjoy watching how fantastic the bullpen has been. There's just a bunch of things from both sides, I guess. And do I think the fans as a whole are enjoying Yankees baseball? Yeah, I think they are, especially when they win, because a lot of the wins the Yankees have gotten this year have been very exciting, especially like the one on Friday night against Baltimore when they were losing 4-2, to and then Gio Urshela, the hero, just comes up in a pinch hit appearance and hits a go-ahead three-run shot, which of course would lead to a win as we know. But... Yeah, I think like always, when the Yankees are doing well, people are really enjoying it, and when the Yankees are making stupid mistakes and having losses that are really their own fault, then people get really aggravated, myself included, so I just think that's the way it's been, but yeah, there has been quite a bit of negativity even when they're doing well. I guess people just, you know, they want a perfect team. (laughs) I mean, we all want a perfect team. We want the Yankees to win every game, and if it were up to me, obviously, and I'm sure a lot of Yankee fans feel this way as well then the team would go 162-0, not lose a single game in the playoffs, and win the World Series every year. But there's no such thing as a perfect team, and that's obviously not going to happen, going 162-0, of course. So, I don't know, that's that's just my take on it, I guess. 
All right, let's keep going as now one of my neighbors is mowing their lawn. <laughs> we had the helicopters last week, which I heard some people say, oh, I couldn't even hear it, which is good. I don't want you to be hearing background noise while I'm taping, but I just say it as sort of a disclaimer. If you hear something in the background, then just ignore it, especially if it's a noise that goes on for a long time and I just don't feel like editing. So if you hear my neighbor moan his lawn outside, then just ignore it. <laughs> Up next... The next question goes to Mike at MD Nelly, and Mike asks, is Tyra Wade Brian Cashman's illegitimate son, and he's only on the roster so his mom won't blow the whistle? (laughs) What a question. (laughs) Listen, I don't know why Tyler Wade's on this roster. I know, of course, a lot of people say, oh, he's just the 25th man or the 26th man. He's not meant to be every day. He's a utility guy, blah, 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 blah. I know, I'm not stupid, but the fact of the matter is, and I am not deviating from this stance until we see anything consistent as far as good gameplay out of Tyler Wade, which right now is a good time as long as Glaber Torres is on the COVID IL, and as long as Voight's back, even other potential options on the bench like Rugnetto Dorr are injured, and even Aaron Boone just said that Rugnetto Dorr is coming off a really good day, so he could be coming back soon from the IL, he just said that earlier. He's been answering some questions from the media this morning, as he has been every Sunday usually. So right now is a good time to show that. And yeah, obviously Tyler Wade had a good night last night, which I'll briefly mention later on, for last night's game against the Orioles. And you know what? Credit to him. He had himself a good night. But there is an expression that fits very well with that good night at the same time, and I even put it on Twitter. And that expression is that even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. (laughs) Not discrediting him for his good night, you know, you have a good night and, you know, you're going to get credit from me. But that expression is valid with someone like Tyler Wade, who is always brutal usually, but he had himself a good night last night. I've done plenty of explaining for my reasoning why I just am not a fan of his whatsoever. I really just don't like him. And a lot of people just really focus in on my dislike for him because I really don't do that with a lot of players at all. I'm really not one to do that. It doesn't mean I don't want the guy to succeed. And that's another thing. Just because I might focus in on a certain player when they may be doing bad every now and again, that's just me telling it like it is, guys. There's nothing more to that. It doesn't mean I want them to fail. If you're a Yankee then it should go without saying, especially for those of you who know me for a while now, it should go without saying that I want you to succeed at that point. You're on the team that I root for. Why would I want you to fail? But when you deserve to be called out for not playing well, I'm going to call you out, as I have done fairly with all players in all of my time as a baseball fan and doing this show. Just like I also give credit where credit is due. So if you have a problem with that, if you have a problem with someone dishing out the truth, then I'm not your guy. And that's fine. Tune into somebody else. And if you want to have a debate about something, then fine. You guys have seen me on social media all the time. I am more than capable of having a level-headed and mature debate with anybody on anything. You will seldom find a more respectful fan to debate with. But whether he is Cashman's illegitimate son or not, (laughs) I'm just not a fan of the guy. I'm just not. I just don't think he's a good baseball player. Okay? But every time I open up for a Q&A, I am more than ready for people to just ask a bunch of funny Tyler Wade questions because everybody knows that I just don't like the guy, so I expect it. <laughs> All right, up next we have at social distance, and they ask, is it too early to say that trading Mike Talkman was a mistake? 
Uh, well, listen, <laughs> the Yankees are definitely a little bit sore for outfield depth right now after Hicks has gone down and gone in the I.L., Obviously, they're sore for depth. In that case, yeah, you might be missing someone like Talkman for depth purposes. But since he got to San Francisco and he had a hot start when he first got there, Talkman has cooled off. He really has. We all know the kind of hitter he is. He's good, but nothing to blow you away by any means. And he's good defensively. And I did say that while I would miss him when the trade happened, that the trade wouldn't kill me. And it certainly has not killed me. So I wouldn't say it's a mistake. Especially because since he got here, and yes, we still have to see more of him, of course, but since he got here, Wandy Peralta, the relief pitcher that the Yankees got for Mike Talkman, has done very well. So at this point in time right now, I wouldn't necessarily say that the trade was a full-on mistake. Do you miss Talkman just for the sake of having a depth piece in times like this when Clint and Gardner are doing so badly and Aaron Hicks goes on the IL? Yeah, you wish you had him there just for the sake of having a depth piece. And you never forget what he did for the team in 2019 when there were like 30-plus injuries and the next man up squad had to completely take over. But for the sake of his personal production and the fact of how much he's cooled off since he's gotten to San Francisco and how well Wandy Peralta has done so far since he's gotten here, I wouldn't call it a mistake. Not as of now, anyway. All right, let's keep on going. Next is Rebecca at Peace Now for Life. And Rebecca says, If tomorrow was the trade deadline and you were the GM of the Yankees, What's one realistic trade you would make? Now, that's a good question. I usually have a tough time coming up with trade ideas on the fly like this, so I, I don't have anything, like, specific for you, but I'm going to tell you one area, rather, that they could definitely improve, and especially if things continue on the trend that they have. If Aaron Hicks misses a lot of time, and let me tell you something, even if he doesn't, if his production doesn't kick up even when he does come back, along with guys like Clinton Gardner, if their production doesn't pick up, then I'm looking for an outfielder. <laughs> I'm just looking for an outfielder. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, what about Max Scherzer? I mean, listen, if you could pull that off and get Max Scherzer on this team, even though the rotation doesn't really need too much help right now because they are, for the most part, doing very well, then you get him. But honestly, the bigger point of concern for me, if Clinton Gardner keep on just doing absolutely nothing, and if Aaron Hicks misses a lot of time, or even if he comes back and continues to not do as much, I know he was heating up a bit there before his injury, but for a large chunk before that, he was just doing nothing, both offensively and defensively. If all of that keeps up, then you've got to look for an outfielder. So that's my input on that. Next, we have at MountainGal456, my good friend Tina. And Tina asks, so far this season... What are your thoughts on Frazier, Wade, and El Gary on defense and offense? Well, on all ends, pretty much I'd say Frazier has been as miserable as possible. I am just so disappointed in him. After having a pretty decent year last year, actually not a decent year, he had a good year last year on all sides, defensively and offensively, even if it was a shortened season, but he was good last year, and I really expected him being given the starting job for this year, the season going back to normal, 162 games. I expected much better things out of Clint than what we've gotten so far. And we are only about a month and a half in, I know, but he has been... <laughs> he's been bad. <laughs> really, really bad. He's hit some home runs, but he just has done nothing otherwise with the bat at all, and he hasn't been great in the field either. He just has not been great. He's made some diving plays, yeah, dangerous ones at that, and maybe even a couple of them, I'll be honest, he didn't even really need to dive for. So, <laughs> listen, it is what it is. I'm just really not happy with Clint so far whatsoever. Tyler Wade, I've given plenty of thoughts on that. <laughs> 
He had a good night last night. Even some people may have argued that one of those hits should have been scored an error and one was a bloop, whatever. He got three hits, deserves credit for it, what have you. But my opinion on him because of one night is not going to change. He still can't hit for his life. He's not an elite defender. He's average at best. I don't care how many positions the guy plays. And I know how big of a role versatility has in baseball nowadays. Teams love guys who could play like 80 different positions. I get it. But Wade is an average defender at best to me. He just is. And I simply don't agree whatsoever with those people who claim for some reason that he's an elite defender. I just could not disagree with that more. And obviously the speed, which is, in my opinion, the best attribute of his, which he's even been struggling with that lately. And if he's struggling with that, he's literally got nothing to his game. Nothing. If the speed isn't even working out. He's gotten thrown out on stolen base attempts the last couple of times, and I know last night when he was doing it, it was on a hit-and-run attempt. I get it, but the fact of the matter is, he's even been struggling a little bit lately with running the bases, stealing bases. And I'm sorry to tell you, even though I give him credit for having a good night last night, one good night is not going to change (laughs) what we've been seeing out of Tyler Wade for years now. It's just not going to change it. He is what he is. And I'm going to say that until we see a good amount of appearances, whether it be off the bench when he returns to the bench and guys like Glaber come back, or even times like now when he's getting a lot more playing time with guys like Glaber out and other guys on the bench like Odor being out. Regardless, until we see a really good amount of appearances where he changes anybody's mind and puts together some consistent gameplay, I'm going to keep that opinion because the opinion is true whether you like it or not. Sorry. (laughs) So, I'm still not big on Tyler Wade at all either. And Gary Sanchez, I know lately I've been saying that I basically threw in the towel on him finally. I just couldn't do it anymore. I will give him credit lately, though. He has been heating up a little bit, and he has not been bad behind the plate either. So, it is what it is with Gary. I still just don't believe in him to keep this going long term. And again, that doesn't mean I want him to fail. That's not what that means. It's just what I think is going to happen with him going forward. Whenever he does well, and yes, even when other guys like Tyler Wade do well too, I'm going to give them credit in that moment where credit is due because that's what you do as a fan. It's part of being fair. But overall opinion on him, long term down the road, I just don't see it. If he stays hot though the way he has been, he's been looking better at the plate, then this could turn out to be some really good competition between him and Higashioka. Personally, I really like what they're doing right now, the way they're splitting time with them and platooning. I think it's going pretty well right now, and it'll be interesting to see, with the competition, which one comes out on top, or if they keep on platooning, and you have both of them do well. That's the goal. If you're going to platoon them, then I'm not going to root for one over the other. I'm going to root for both of them to do well, especially if they're both getting a ton of playing time. How much would that benefit the team if they're both doing a terrific job? It would benefit them greatly, and I think that's what the Yankees are hoping for. And it looks like they have it set in the sense that, like, Higgy catches Cole, Higgy catches Kluber, and then Gary catches the other three, or maybe with one of the three, they alternate sometimes. But obviously, whoever earns the more playing time, hopefully they get a bit of an edge while they're riding a hot streak or what have you. But regardless, you always do what's best for the team. So that's my take on it. My overall thoughts on Gary going forward. I I think he's going through a nice streak right now. I think he's looking better at the plate. I'm not sure it'll last. I I really am not. And I, more than anybody, hope that he makes me regret throwing in the towel a couple of weeks ago. I really do. Because there aren't many other people out there that advocated for him more, both in the past and before this season started, after all the hard work he put in throughout the offseason. 
All right, let's continue on. Up next is Rob at Laker477. And Rob asks, what has you most frustrated at this point in the season? Well, I would say the lack of defense sometimes. The defense just looks so boneheaded at times. They just really have some dumb moments. And also the horrible base running. They've just made way too many outs on the bases this year. And it's just really annoying to watch. And it's embarrassing. So I'd say base running and defense at times. Those are very frustrating sometimes. Up next is at Andrew Caruso 77. And Andrew says, do you think Gary will be traded this year? And if yes, where does he go and what's the return? Well, if Gary continues on the pace that he's been very recently, he's been looking a little better at the plate lately. He definitely has been. Then maybe he can buy himself some more time. But especially if he dies again shortly and just is utterly miserable, then it could happen. And if that does happen, I imagine the return will not be much. But we'll see. It all depends on what he does from this point forward. I mean, for most of the time this season, up until recently, and except for also the first week of the season or so, he's been terrible. But recently, again, at the plate, he's looked a little better, and we've seen some better things. So hopefully it keeps up for him. We'll see what happens. And all that's going to depend on what happens probably at the deadline when you speak about being traded. Up next is at Laura underscore Icemont, and Laura asks, what are your biggest surprises of the team so far this season? If I had to pick one right now, I'd probably say the rotation. I'm very happy with how they're doing for the most part. Obviously, we expect the unbelievable pitching we've gotten from Cole. Kluber has been really good for the most part. Herman's turned it around since his really rough first two starts. Monty coming into today has done a good job for the most part. He's looked pretty solid for the most part. I hope he does well again today. And Tyone is still figuring it out. He's definitely the worst of the five, if I had to say, up to this point going into today's game here on Sunday. But I'm still willing to have some patience with him, maybe about another month or so. He's had his good starts, and he's keeping that strikeout rate up. He's still racking up a lot of strikeouts, but he's allowing a lot of runs. And usually when he does, they all come all at once, like in a blitz. So he's got to try to figure that out, and I hope he does. But also by the summer, the Yankees are also expecting Luis Severino back. And we've said that a million times, that we don't know what we're going to get with Severino. We've heard how great his rehab has gone. It's been fantastic. But after Tommy John's surgery and missing so much time, of course he has age on his side in his youth, but after such a big surgery, you don't know what kind of Luis Severino you're going to get back. Tommy John is huge, and of course he's not going to be able to throw that many innings, but still getting Luis Severino back is big. So whoever's doing the worst is probably going to be getting the boot out of the rotation, if they don't at any point go with maybe a six-man rotation. But although they obviously haven't been perfect, the rotation has surprised me this year. They've done better than I thought they would. And also I expected the bullpen to be really good, but they've been incredible. They haven't just been good. They've been incredible. So I guess I could add that as another surprise, maybe. All right, let's do maybe a couple of more here on Twitter, and then I'll go read a couple on Instagram, and then we'll move on to weekly recap. Up next is at NYYFanForever96, and they ask, who on the Yankees offense is surprising you? Who you thought would do good, but isn't doing well when getting many opportunities? Well, as I said before, I think that man is obviously Clint Frazier to me. He has just been a massive, massive disappointment after having a good season last year in what was a shortened season, yes, but being given the starting job and 
just crapping the bed the way he has so far this season. It's just been bad. So I'd have to say Clint. Next, we have at its underscore bleach bit. And they ask, with six or more people batting below 200 on the team, who is or what is actually to blame for this? The guy who assembled the team, the new baseball, or maybe analytics? See, that's a tough one. (laughs) I think eventually it's got to fall on the players themselves because when you underperform for so long, especially with guys like Clint Frazier, who you expected so much more out of this year, it's just got to fall on them eventually for not getting it done. And yeah, offense is just at an all-time low all around the game. It's not just the Yankees overall having some hitters on their team just having abysmal batting averages. But yeah, for guys like Clint, and yeah, some other guys mentioned people like Andujar, who's only got, what, like 15 to 20 (laughs) at-bats? So guys like that, or maybe Luke Voigt, who just came back in his first two hits yesterday, those guys, they don't really count to me because they're just, they don't have a lot of at-bats at all. So it's really tough to take batting average seriously when you don't even have two dozen at-bats yet. But you get what I mean. It's It's got to fall on the guys. When it's guys like Clint Frazier, it's, it's got to fall on him. He's just massively underperforming, doing a horrible job. Maybe a guy like Brett Gardner. I definitely didn't expect anything great out of Gardner this year if he was to play every day, which he's obviously not supposed to if the Yankees are at full strength. You're supposed to have Clinton left, ideally, with Aaron Hicks in center and Aaron Judge in right, and Gardy coming off the bench to either pinch hit or maybe platoon a certain day if someone needs a day off. That was supposed to be the role Gardner was to be in. But because of the lack of production and Aaron Hicks going down to injury, you're seeing Brett Gardner a whole lot more now. And you're seeing exactly why I said he cannot be an everyday starter anymore. (laughs) So, yeah, for certain guys, it's just them massively underperforming. It's the circumstances of the team putting them out there more than they should be. But of course, also when things are to get really bad, then the higher-ups should take some blame too. But again, in the case of someone like Clint Frazier, who you came into this season expecting a lot more out of than what you've gotten, it also has to fall on the player too for underperforming. It's a variety of different things, if you ask me. Next, we have at Laura underscore Navens asking, when do you think they'll bring up one of their top outfield rookies? Well, I assume you mean Estevan Floreal. Well, right now, they obviously, as I mentioned in the intro, and I'll mention again later, brought up Ryan Lamar from the minors to take Hicks's spot on the roster. And Floreal was just called up to AAA, literally just called up. So they probably want to give him some more time down there. But it could also affect it based on how much time exactly Aaron Hicks is going to miss. We know he was put on the injured list, the 10-day IL, but we don't know exactly how much time he's missing, and we don't even know if he's going to need surgery yet. So the outcome of that could have to do with the timeline that they have for Estevan Florial down in AAA before they possibly bring him up. So there are a lot of factors at work here, so maybe soon, maybe not for a couple more weeks. It all depends. We have to see. All right, one more here on Twitter, because I have to reserve this spot for my really good friend, Sandy, because got to give a special shout out. (laughs) At SandyNYY, she says, why do you dislike Tyler Wade? He means well. (laughs) Sandy is a Tyler Wade fan, and she's about the only one that I wouldn't lose respect for in a legitimate debate about him. (laughs) So why do I dislike him so much? I've spoken about endlessly why I dislike him, so I refer you to the prior replies and my answers to those prior replies today, and many prior episodes of Yapping Yankees, my good friend. (laughs) And I know he means well, yes, and I don't want him to fail, obviously. And I don't have any problems with him as a guy, like who he is personally. It's the player. But 
I feel the way that I do about him, and I'm going to continue feeling that way until we see otherwise, on a pretty consistent basis, until we can see that he could hit a beach ball for his life, until we see that he's more than just an average defender, until we see even his speed start to help out a bit more than it has so far this year. It's just the way it is. <laughs> Alright, so that's all for Twitter. Let's head on to Instagram. I'll do a couple there, and then we'll move on to recap. First, Instagram question goes to my friend Vamos Yankees, and he asks, which Yankee should be sent to Mars, and why is it Wade? <laughs> Correct, my friend. Correct. <laughs> Up next is James, my good friend James, the Dark Knight 025, and James asks, who do you think is the Yankees MVP so far if you had to pick one, Cole or Stanton? Well, I actually had a who is the MVP of the Yankees so far this season question, I believe it was in the last Q&A we did, like two or three weeks ago. And I said Cole at that point, and I'm going to stick to Cole. Yes, he plays only once every five days, but he has been that good. (laughs) Cole is like a god so far. He is on pace to have a historic season. He's already having one. And quite frankly, I don't know how you pick anybody else to be the MVP at this point other than Garrett Cole. He's just been that dominant. Next is my girlfriend, Vic Salimone. Vic asks, do you fear the path we may go down with the new injuries? Well, with guys like Gio, I mean, he's back in the lineup already, so hopefully that knee problem he was dealing with isn't really severe, doesn't turn into anything long-term. So if that's the case, if that stays just a short-term thing, then that's good. With Stanton, they keep on saying that the quad tightness is day-to-day. Hopefully that remains true because Stanton had just been doing so well. Losing him long-term at this point would really sting. And with Hicks, this could potentially be a long-term thing. So if things just stay as is, you just got Voight back. You're expecting Zach Britton back in a couple of weeks. So on the pace that it is now, I'd say the Yankees are doing okay with it. I'm not too afraid as of this moment. Only if things that are long-term start to happen to really vital players that have been important to the team so far, at that point I'll get concerned. But right now I'm, I'm not really afraid at this moment. I'm always a bit on edge, of course, with injuries in general because of what they've done to this team up to this point for years now. That's just a natural built-in quality in a Yankee fan at this point, I think. But at this moment, specifically, I'm not too concerned right now with injuries. And last but certainly not least, let's finish up, as always, with my amazing mom, Julia Gina Scudero. And my mom asks, For guys who aren't performing up to par or continue to get hurt, can we just call up the AAA guys? Don't get me wrong, I like what we've seen with the bats coming back to life at this point, but after hearing about certain injuries and guys continuing to underperform after a month of good ball playing overall, come on, let's keep winning, guys. Yeah, of course you want him to keep winning, but uh, yeah, I I see what you're saying, Mom. With guys like Clint or even guys like Hicks, who for the most part before his injury was vastly just doing horribly. (laughs) There's no other way to put it. And now that he's hurt again, and he's had injury problems in the past, plenty of them, that maybe you want to see some other kids get a shot, maybe like an Estevan Floreal, like was mentioned before. Yeah, it could be, but it depends on timing, whether those kids are ready to, and it just depends on a lot of things. But with guys like uh, Hicks or Clint, yeah, it's tough to argue with people who are running out of patience with both of them. I really am too. I mean, I said it before already, Clint has been such a massive disappointment to me. And with the exception of maybe a few good moments here and there, Aaron Hicks has been extremely irritating to me, and now he's getting hurt again. So with guys like Florial, yeah, again, we're going to have to wait and see a lot of the things that are to come 
A lot of determining factors, whether Hicks needs surgery or not, how long he's going to be out, if the lack of production out of guys like Clint and Gardner continues long-term within the next couple of months, and how ready Estevan Florial himself is after just being promoted to AAA just a couple of days ago. There are a lot of moving parts here, so we'll have to see, but I get what you're saying. I do. But that is all for this week's Q&A, both on Twitter and Instagram, guys. I want to thank each and every single one of you who submitted a question. You know how much I appreciate it. I cannot even put it into words. And if I did not get to you, and there were plenty of questions I did not get to because, of course, I just do not have the time. But if I did not get to you, then just keep on interacting with the social media segments every single week, guys. You know, eventually I will get to shouting out your reply, whether it be to a Q&A, open-ended question, a poll, regardless, I will get to you. But if you want to see the questions that I didn't get to, at least on Twitter, then just head on over to my Twitter page, at Mike Scudero, find the Q&A tweet, and look at all the questions in the comments for yourself. But once again, thanks to each and every one of you, as always, for interacting. Even if it is a bunch of questions about Tyler Wade. (laughs) That was really funny. Got a lot of Tyler Wade questions today. And I even had somebody, by the way, just really quick on Twitter yesterday, actually ask me, oh, name one person that'd be a better utility man or 26th man on the roster than him and keep you under the tax. Well, I could actually look across town and find one that's actually filling in very nicely for the Mets right now by the name of Jonathan VR. Sound familiar? (laughs) So that's just one, and I could name a bunch, but I just don't have that kind of time. There are other options that could be 26th men around baseball. It's not just Tyler Wade. Even if there aren't an overabundance of them, there are other options out there. There are other good utility men out there in baseball. To say there are none is completely foolish. I just named you one, and there are others. Especially if you want to even talk about other positions. Sticking with the Mets, how well is Kevin Pillar even doing for them? He's doing a very nice job. And I'm just talking about one team here, let alone the rest of baseball, so come on. And the shame of it is, is that, in my opinion, Tyler Wade has some potential strengths that if he were to play too more often, then he could be better. Maybe if he just slapped the ball the other way more, if the left side of the infield was completely open. If he was a slap hitter, he'd be terrific with his speed. And the fact that someone with his speed even has a shift on him is ridiculous when he could easily learn to go against it routinely. Or maybe if they taught the guy to bunt better, because he's a miserable bunter. But I know, you know, with bunting in baseball today, how close to extinct that is. Not many people at all bunt anymore, but with someone like Wade, teaching them to bunt better might work well. So if they maybe tried to play to those strengths having to do with his speed, slapping the ball more, maybe learning how to bunt better then maybe Tyler Wade can turn into a better player, especially offensively. And even someone like me who can't stand him can realize this and acknowledge this. Uh, All right, enough about him. Enough, 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 enough. (laughs) Let's get to weekly recap. Let's go back to last Saturday when we last spoke, when I recorded last before Mother's Day. So if you will be so kind as to jump back in time with me to then. And there was actually one week when I used a time machine sound effect when going into weekly recap and going back in time and then catching all the way back up to now. So I'm going to start using that sound effect more often, either starting next week or maybe the week after that. I'm going to call it the Yapping Yankees time machine. (laughs) So last Saturday, just real quick, I was saying while it was raining outside as I was recording that it didn't look like the game would start on time and it didn't. Two and a half hour rain delay 
And then after that, my boy Kluber took the mound. And he had himself another fine start. It definitely wasn't like the one against the Tigers. It doesn't get much better than that anyway. But still really solid. Five and two-thirds, six hits, and three walks, but only two runs allowed. The second one was at the very end of his outing. And he worked out of some tough moments very nicely, which I love. And he struck out six. And the bats really didn't have his back, but thankfully, the late-game rally prevented him from taking an undeserved loss. And the bullpen also steered back on course after Kluber was done, which also definitely helped. An inning and a third scoreless for Chad, two scoreless for Litke, and Chapman allowed a run in the top of the 10th during Manfred League Baseball, which is what I call extra innings now with the runner on second rule. But the runner that came home was the runner placed on second, or the ghost runner, as they've now come to call it. <laughs> so the run was unearned. And then, to everyone's surprise, Justin Wilson, who, as I said last week, had been doing awful prior, pitched a completely scoreless top of the 11th despite the runner being on second to start the inning. And he'd get the win after the Yankees won in the bottom of the 11th. Offensively, as I said, before the late-game rally, nothing really happened. Scherzer was just too much. The only thing that happened often was Higgy hitting a solo shot to tie the game at one in the third. Otherwise, though, he was just lights out. Struck out 14 Yankees, just really, really good. Then in the ninth, down 2-1, to one, Glaber Torres, here's the late game rally I spoke about, who would prove to be the hero that day, tied the game on an RBI single, and then won the game on a slow grounder down the third in the bottom of the 11th, with the bases loaded, no play could be made, Yanks won 4-3. And then on Sunday, on Mother's Day, rubber game matchup, and thankfully the Yanks would take the series. Herman started... And right up until the end, he was terrific. Six and a third, and he hadn't allowed a run until that very end of his start. Six strikeouts, Yanks were leading two to nothing at the time, until again at the very end, he gave up a game-tying two-run moonshot to Kyle Schwarber. Unfortunate, but the offense hadn't done that much that day, and up until that point, he'd been doing very well. So that was the last batter he faced, though. So he unfortunately exited the game at a low point, even though the start other than that was really, really good, and the bats could have had his back more. But again, still a start to be proud of overall. Michael King would pitch the next inning and a third scoreless, still yet to allow a run at the time. Peralta would get an out, and Chapman pitched the top of the ninth before the Yankee walk-off in the bottom of the ninth. So the bullpen, again, for the second day in a row, following their two bad days in a row prior, had seemed to be back on course. Now, as for the two runs I mentioned earlier, and then the third for the walk-off, Aaron Hicks, who as I briefly mentioned on last week's show, had started to look a bit better at the plate at the time, and I even said that before when I was mentioning how he was doing before he got hurt. He hit an RBI single in the bottom of the third, and then Glaber Torres, yet again, finally hit his first home run in the bottom of the sixth. So he can finally get that monkey off his back. That sure took a while. <laughs> and then to walk it off in the bottom of the ninth to thankfully prevent Manfred League Baseball, God Carlos Stanton, which is the nickname that I had officially coined for myself at the time, hit an RBI single, Yanks won the game 3-2, and again, thankfully, took the series. And after the game, so that my man Luke Voigt could be activated from the I.L., 
they optioned Andujar back to Triple A. And I know some rather Wade or Ford go down, and you know I have a tough time arguing that. <laughs> but Miggy was mainly brought up because Gio went down too, and as we know, Gio came back Tuesday too. So Miggy back down to Triple A. Monday was an off day. Tuesday, here's the COVID stuff I was talking about earlier with the COVID outbreak. And this started really before the game on Tuesday because even though most of the team is already vaccinated, which is why they didn't wear masks in the dugout anymore either, third base coach Phil Nevin tested positive. They did contact tracing and the whole deal, and it was later revealed that two more tested positive as well. All three were fully vaccinated already. First base coach Reggie Willits also tested positive and a non-coach support staff member. And obviously they went through the quarantine protocol, but they did still play the game despite all this happening. And Hicks was also pulled about an hour and a half before the game after originally being in the lineup because of when he bruised his shin on that foul ball he took off his leg on Sunday that left him in lots of pain afterwards. So he got the night off. So Hicks may have been out, but another guy, as anticipated, made his return that we've all been eagerly waiting for, Luke Voigt, finally returned. So that is your big-time dose of good news amongst all the other news. (laughs) I'm so happy to have Luke back. His energy, his bat, and not only his bat in itself, but especially because of the non-existent production the Yanks have had at first base while he was gone, as we know. I don't know how you couldn't be happy about his return. So, welcome back, Luke. Now, despite the craziness beforehand, the game itself was nice on the other hand. Montgomery got the start against the Rays, and he did a very nice job. Six innings, only one run on a bomb to Mike Zanino, who continues to hit like Johnny Bench against the Yanks. But Montgomery only gave up two hits total, and that homer was one of them, and he struck out nine. So a really nice start, kept the Rays under control, just a really, really nice start as he earned his second win of the year. And the bullpen afterwards locked it down. Loisica, a scoreless 7th and a scoreless 8th, and Chapman with an interesting but <laughs> scoreless ninth for his 8th save of his remarkable season. And the Bats, they didn't do a ton, but they did enough to win. Aaron Judge, after I'd said he definitely looked like he could use a day off or so because of his struggles after the Tigers series when we were talking last week, well, he got two off, Sunday and then the off day Monday. First step bat on Tuesday... Solo bomb to center on the first pitch he sees. How great am I? (laughs) That made it one to nothing. That was awesome to see from Judge. And then a passed ball by Zanino in the third made it two to nothing as DJ came home to score on that. So he may be hitting like Johnny Bench against the Yanks, but not catching like him. At least not on Tuesday. (laughs) Then later on, Gary Sanchez, who, as I mentioned earlier on, and as you guys know also from my Twitter... I've thrown in the towel on him having any significant long-term turnaround, but he actually did something here, and this was the start of him looking a bit better at the plate lately, like I had mentioned before, and I'm glad. Again, I don't want any Yankee to fail, guys. That should go without saying. And also, again, especially someone like me, who's been beyond patient with him, plenty have even said too patient, come on. So, thank God he finally did something. Solo shot the other way, that made it 3-1, to one, and that's the score the Yanks would win by. 
awesome win to start the series against the Rays, a team that the Yankees definitely need to start beating, we've said that many times, and also a good start to the 10-game road trip. Wednesday, more COVID stuff before the game. Gotta love it. Uh, Boone had announced that there were then a total of seven, seven confirmed positives in the organization. So up from three on Tuesday, Nevin Willits, pitching coach Matt Blake now, and four support staff members. And thankfully, I think it was six out of seven of them were asymptomatic, so that's good, especially since apparently they're all vaccinated. But obviously, you still hope that they get past it quickly. And, 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 because they were still waiting on his test results, Glaber Torres was not in the lineup. Fantastic. But with all the COVID spreading, you know what also stayed contagious that day? And for the rest of the week, except for Thursday up to today? Winning. So that's good, right? <laughs> Pretty quiet one to nothing victory, so this is a quick recap. <laughs> but the Rays did a solid job with their bullpen game, and the Yanks just got their one run on a hick sack fly, but hey, a win is a win. But one thing that wasn't quiet about the game, the main story of it, was... Try not to be too surprised, but King Garrett Cole. Who the hell would have guessed it? But my man was just, like I said, there's just not much more you can say about him at this point that hasn't already been said, other than the fact that he's earning every single penny of that huge contract, so I'll let his line do the talking. Eight innings, just four hits, again, no walks, 12 strikeouts. So yet another start of no walks and at least 10 strikeouts. And guys, he hasn't walked a batter since April 12th. (laughs) Over a month ago. Not one walk. Untouchable. Filthy. Insert word here for another unreal start. (laughs) 5-1 now. ERA at 137. He'll render you speechless and... He often does it to us, that's all I can say. But another unbelievable start for our ace, the King, Garrett Cole, on the road at the Trop, no less, where the Yanks hate playing, well, not this past week, finally. (laughs) So this victory gave them at least the series, five of their last six series at the time had been won, and that's what you gotta do, guys, win series. And they'd also won 14 of their last 19 at the time. Amazing. And all else I can say, guys, is just appreciate and admire Garrett Cole. Because right now you're witnessing some of the best pitching by a Yankee starter ever. In this window of time that he's been a Yankee so far, of course. And I know I myself have only been a fan for 13 or 14 some odd years. But I have fans of 40 50 years saying similar things. And when the Yanks were looking for an ace for years, and I'd be just sitting there fantasizing about what having an ace would be like, and then they signed Cole. And you remember my happiness when they got him. And those thoughts have just since become a reality. The guy is simply incredible. So yet another jaw-dropping start for Garrett Cole. And to add on to that, amidst all the distractions with COVID, you know it had to feel awesome racking up wins too. Especially against a team like the Rays, which, 
It goes without saying, again, they really needed to start winning against going into this series, especially at the drop or the dump. But <laughs> Thursday, they would go for the sweep, but again without Glaber Torres. And it was revealed Thursday evening that he did, in fact, come back positive for COVID from that test they were waiting on on Wednesday. So he was the eighth positive case. And like the other seven, by the way, it is important to mention that he is already vaccinated fully. And actually, he also did already have the virus back in the offseason. And then he got the vaccine, and now he has the virus again. <laughs> Madone. <laughs> That's got to be extremely rare. I mean, think about how wild that is. So, that's gotta be annoying as hell. They put him on the COVID IL until he's done quarantining after he receives two negative COVID tests. So, he's quarantining in Tampa along with the other positives. And so, they can add someone to the roster this time and not be a man short like Wednesday night. They recalled Andujar from AAA. And they'd also try for the sweep without Hicks because he had a sore wrist apparently. So, he wasn't in the lineup either. So you had Andujar at third, Geo at short, DJ at second as usual, and Ford <laughs> at first, who, again, I just cannot stomach seeing on a major league field anymore. But they gave Voigt the night off, and the outfield had Judge in right, Guardian center, and Frazier in left. And unfortunately, and as expected by yours truly, this wouldn't be a winning formula at all. I said so before the game to someone on Twitter, and I ended up being right. I just didn't feel like they were going to win this game, and they did not. And it felt that way from start to finish. And like I had regarded it as in the intro, it just had the feel of a punt game from the start. It just felt like they punted it, and they just had no intention of winning. Obviously, I know that's not the case. You go into games hoping to win every time, but it just felt like a game that they were just not going to win from the get-go. So they settled for a series win, which is good. But I'm not going to lie, I would have liked to sweep. And it does seem like this has happened every so often with the Yankees when they win the first two, and then they just can't quite finish it off in the third game for the sweep. They have one sweep this year, they swept the Tigers, but I just feel like at times they just can't quite finish it off there in that last game. And you'll hear me mention this in a bit too, but I hope that that is not the case for today's game in Baltimore here on Sunday. I hope they can complete the sweep today. But anyway, yeah, I would have liked to sweep. But the scoring one run thing that they did the night before with Garrett Cole, it didn't work this time <laughs> at all. Especially given the fact that this one run that they did score on Thursday was on a double play ball in the ninth inning, down 9-0, but I digress. <laughs> Tyone started the game, and other than doing his usual thing with strikeouts, strikeouts were up yet again, he just didn't have it. So he regressed this time around from his previous two starts. Four and two-thirds, six hits, four runs, all earned. Walked two, and then there was the nine Ks that I mentioned a second ago, which is good. Still striking out a lot of guys. But if you're going to go out there and pitch the way that he did on the hole, it's still not good. King came in after him. He pitched two and a third, giving up three runs. And that's actually a big deal for him because those were the first runs that he's given up on what's otherwise been a solid start to his season, as we know. And then Justin Wilson pitched an inning and crapped the bed himself again, allowing two runs, only one earned, thanks to catch's interference by Gary. But nonetheless, Wilson going back to being awful. 
And then, of course, as I said earlier, the offense was just completely dead. And they didn't face no Cy Young potential pitcher. They faced 41-year-old Rich Hill and couldn't do crap. One run on that Frazier double play in the ninth. Only five hits, two of those coming in that ninth. Just a game that just felt lost from the start, to be honest, again. And again, I wanted the sweep personally, obviously, but take the series, move on. Oh, and by the way, the five to nine hitters in that order that night, Gary, Ford, Clint, and Duhar, even though Duhar has only played a few games, and Gardner, just that night, their numbers made me want to drown myself. Just awful. But anyway, Friday. On to Baltimore, where I was obviously looking for them to just kill the Orioles, but they'd be another man short. Actually, a couple. First, Geo. Out of the lineup, from that knee pain he had last week after that dive he made down the line against the Astros, already spoke about it on last week's episode, but it turns out that it was still giving him a little trouble, so even he was out, before he came in later in the game and saved everything, of course. (laughs) Uh, The other, Stanton, quad tightened up. Day-to-day injury for now. Hopefully it stays that way and doesn't worsen and we get him back in the Texas series coming up because he's just done so well, so definitely don't want anything long-term. And he had a little bit of a skid since his ridiculous hitting streak, but you know what I mean. He's done very well. So, down two of the team's best hitters coming into the game. And, wait, that's not all. Like a damn commercial. And that's not all, folks. (laughs) Aaron Hicks. With the wrist problem from the day prior that I mentioned... He got an MRI on it, and his MRI revealed that the sheath that holds the wrist tendon in place is torn. And as of yesterday, he's been placed on the 10-day IL, and Ryan Lamar is coming up to replace his spot on the roster. And as I said earlier in the show, you may remember him from spring training, but as far as Hicks, surgery could still be possible down the line, and if surgery happens... He's going to be out a long time, so let's see what ends up happening. But that's the deal with him for now. I'll tell you, though, like I said in the Q&A segment, the Yanks need an outfielder. Badly. Not only because of this, but think of the downright horrid lack of production you're also getting out of guys like Gardner and Frazier. And the depth for them, even? Who do you got with Talkman gone? Wade? <laughs> Listen, I, I even said this before in the Q&A. I know Talkman's cooled off since his hot start with the Giants. And as I said, although I'd miss him just for depth purposes, the trade definitely wouldn't kill me. And it isn't. I'm just speaking from the depth standpoint. <laughs> but despite all of that discussion, we've been over all of it. My point is, the outfield, outside of Judge, is a pile of hot garbage right now. Not good at all. But I also did mention this before, that down the road, because of all these factors, Estevan Florial, one of the Yankees' best prospects as we know, was promoted to Triple A just a couple of days ago. So he could very well be called up to the main roster eventually. Who knows? He's already on the 40-man, so he could very well get a shot eventually. Especially if this lack of production in the outfield continues, and I guess possibly if Hicks gets surgery too and misses an extended amount of time. But we'll see, I guess. It also depends on when he's ready to go, because he was literally just promoted to AAA. So, again, we'll see. But the game, let's get to that. And my god, 
You want to talk about there being ups and downs? <laughs> Let's start with the downs. Because besides Aaron Judge hitting two home runs for the Yankees' two runs before the GO3 run bomb that saved the game, none of the other bats did anything yet again. Guys like Clint reminded us that the Yankees still stink at base running, not knowing his ass from his elbow on a ball that dropped in for a hit, but then he got thrown out at second on the force, still standing on first, not even knowing the ball fell in. And like I said before, with how much Clint has been annoying the hell out of me this year, I don't know when the hell he plans on getting going, if ever, but I'm really running low on patience with him. I really, really am. Again, to say he's been dreadful is being very kind. He has his moments here and there, but then he usually either finds ways to immediately undo them, or it's just that the horrible moments far outweigh them. And it's just been infuriating watching him play baseball. You also have Wade dropping throws from the outfield. Oh, but he's an elite fielder, right? (laughs) Again, if you're still saying that, get yourself help. And then the good, though. As I said before, basically just Judge and Geo. Judge's two solo shots, he's heated up big time again recently, ever since he got the days off. I said he should get. (laughs) But his two homers and Geo's huge pinch-hit three-run blast coming off the bench in the seventh. Guys, thank God for Gio Urshela. And yet again, thank you Indians and thank you Blue Jays for DFAing him. So that gave the Yanks their total of five runs, and pitching-wise, my boy Kluber started the game, and he wasn't awful. Wasn't great, but wasn't bad either. He definitely had no help by Wade in that rough fifth inning on what should have been an out at second, as I mentioned earlier, but he dropped the ball. But he did go six innings again, so solid length again, struck out six, and gave up four runs. Could have been better, but could have been worse. It was mainly that fifth inning more than anything that he was off. Still really liked how his stuff moved otherwise. And since Gio hit his home run just after Kluber was done, Kluber actually ended up getting the win. So his third win. And he also got his 1,500th career strikeout, as did Cole this past week. And the two of them reaching 1,500 career strikeouts in the same week is the kind of harmony I'm looking for in life. It just is. So congrats to them both. After him, the bullpen did their thing. Green pitched a scoreless seventh. Wandy Peralta, who even as I said on Twitter Friday night, and as I said earlier, has been an under-the-radar solid pickup for the Yanks so far from that Talkman trade. Alright, you're probably wondering what this long pause is about. This is actually Future Mike coming at you. It's about 5.30. I'm editing the show right now. (laughs) And I felt compelled to come in because just after this Wandy Peralta comment about how good he's been, and yes, he's still been good otherwise, except for today, but obviously it's 5.30 and the game today here on Sunday is over, and part of the damage that was done to the Orioles was on a two-run shot to Michael Franco by Wandy Peralta. And it was Peralta's first two runs of his time with the Yankees so far, and I just wanted to pop in and, uh, I don't know, thank Wandy Peralta for immediately just making me eat my words. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, in all seriousness, he's still done good otherwise, but I just thought that'd be funny to pop in here, future Mike making an appearance. All right, back to the show. And then Loisica locked down the save in the ninth inning, his second save of the season. Yanks took the first game of the series 5-4. to four. And last but not least... Yesterday, Game 2 of the series. Gio was back in the lineup, thankfully. Herman on the hill, 
and they tried to at least take the series. And at least take the series, they safely did. (laughs) And Herman did well. Six innings, only allowed one run in the sixth on an RBI fielder's choice. He walked two and struck out six, so a solid start. After him, the bullpen locked it down with a comfortable, massive 8-1 lead. (laughs) Litke, who's been fantastic since mid-April, might I say, hasn't even allowed a run since then. Scoreless 7th, Wilson pitched a scoreless 8th, and Sessa allowed a run in the 9th, but with that big of a lead, who cares? (laughs) And that huge lead I just mentioned? Yeah, the offense, they came to play. Big time. From the get-go. First run came on a passed ball, followed by a Gary Sanchez two-run single, 3 to nothing at that point. Again, another point of Gary looking a bit better at the plate lately. Then, a bit later, Judge hit another home run. Two-run shot made it 5 nothing. Sixth run came home on a balk. And then Luke Voigt, who had his first two hits of the year yesterday, hit a two-run single to drive in the seventh and eighth runs. And as we know, the Yanks would win 8-0. To two. So a nice, comfortable win thanks to the bats going off. Solid pitching all around, just a great game. And as I mentioned during the QA, even Tyler Wade had a good day. He went three for four. <laughs> that's when you know things were going well. But anyway, that's that. Yanks are trying to sweep today. The game's starting shortly from when I'm recording right now, so let's see if they can get it done with Montgomery on the mound. Monty's coming off of a really good start against Tampa, and hopefully the Bats, they show up again. They couldn't complete the sweep of Tampa in that third and final game on Thursday, but let's hope that they could do it today, here on Sunday, against the O's. But regardless, again, they've won the series at least. Another series victory already. And that, by the way, makes them 6-0-2 in their last eight series. And that's what you gotta do, just win series. Six series wins and two splits in the last eight. That's really good. And individual games-wise, they've also won 17 of their last 24 coming into today. Good stuff. Good stuff. For the rest of the week, tomorrow on Monday, they've got a four-game series starting on the road against the Rangers. Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays games will all start at 8.05 Eastern. Thursdays at 2.05 Eastern. King Garrett Cole will pitch tomorrow, Tyone will be on Tuesday, and Kluber on Wednesday. And that's all we know for sure as of now with the starters. Then after the Rangers, next weekend, they return home for a three-game weekend set after the 10-game road trip against the White Sox. Friday's game will be at 7.05 Eastern, Saturday 1.05 Eastern, and next Sunday when we speak again, also 1.05 Eastern. But, as for now, guys, that is all for episode 96 of Yapping Yankees today. Please remember to follow me on all social medias so you can keep up on the latest having to do with me, the Yankees, and Yapping Yankees announcements, content, and Twitter and Instagram social media segments every Saturday. Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds. 97. Also, guys, subscribe to the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel and also show some love to Yapping Yankees on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And obviously, if you missed any past Yapping Yankees episodes, be sure to go back and listen to them. 
Episodes 34 up to episode 96 today are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, May 23rd, when I come at you with episode 97 of Yapping Yankees. Until then, guys, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, enjoy the beautiful weather this week, and Yankees, sweep the O's today, and then finish off the road trip on a high note against those Rangers. All right, my friends, enjoy your week and take care.